Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serda. It is the quiet time of year around the NFL, but we're keeping things moving here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll start things off today with the Great British Chief Show, having a conversation about rivalries and why everybody's gunning for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, it's the Chief Stock Watch podcast, playing a game of two truths and a lie. After that, we'll take a quick time out. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, catching up on all the latest Chiefs news. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. We're in a position where we have teams, as Chiefs fans, trying to create rivalries, a rivalry with the Chiefs. Most are notably, we, are we trying to create the rivalry? Though is that is that the thing? Are we, it's not us; it's them. Well, it's I was going to say when you're on, the, on top of the pile, you're on top of that mountain. Are we really looking for a rivalry? Because nobody can rival us, can they? Not currently, but no, no it's not us looking for a rival. We don't want a rival. We no. like the Patriots never really had many rivalries. They had the odd one with Peyton Manning and the Colts every now and then, and I suppose Eli Manning and the Giants. But yeah. I wouldn't say they had any true rivalries and now the Chiefs are the top dog in the NFL and certainly the AFC and we're all of a sudden in a position where teams are trying to label themselves <laughs> as this rival for the Chiefs most notably the Cincinnati Bengals so we were, what we were going to talk about now is who are like the true rivals of the Chiefs like if you had to list five rivals to the Chiefs who would they be and why Wait. so we'll go one we'll go one off the other you can go first I was going to say, we're not going to be looking at like what potential rivalries are this season. So let's just leave that out. Let's just go with right. like at this current moment in time. I mean, you've got to say the Bengals. You've mentioned them already. The Bengals. They're one of the uh, the rivalries. They keep bringing up three and one. That Mahomes is, uh, you know, is, is the son of um, Joe Burrow. And- Burrow had my ass. Burrow had my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, yeah, that's that. I mean, I would say it's a rivalry purely because of all the smack talk that they keep talking. Um I don't know why they keep doing all this smack talk and no. trying to, you know, trying to make something that isn't there. But I think the purely down to the the, the, the trash talk and is that's built the rivalry. Let's say. Yeah, I think the Orlando Brown factor builds into it this year. I think that makes it a little bit spicier, um, a little bit spicier. I think so. And obviously, you have to look at the record and go, right, they've beaten us three out of the four times. And each game yeah. has been ridiculously close. But also, I feel like the Chiefs have had opportunities to blow all of those games wide open and have failed to take it every single one. It's not like the Bengals have battered us and been able, been close to opening up the games. It hasn't. The Bengals have won all close games. It's just every now and then during those games, the Chiefs just miss that little opportunity, that one opportunity they get to blow the game wide open. They do something stupid. 
And if they don't do those stupid things, they're arguably sitting here with another ring on their finger because that 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 ultimately has been the difference. So yeah, I do class them as a rivalry, but I don't know if I class them as the rivalry going into next season. The hot take, I don't feel like the Bengals are going to be there next year. No. Not like they were this year. I think their division is catching up to them. I've been as a team in there. But I'm going to, sorry, I'm first disclaimer, I'm going to break your rule. I am predicting future rival. Oh, go on then. Okay. Okay. I think the the rivalry of tomorrow is the Baltimore Ravens. Really? Yeah. You don't think it's the I I feel like there was a rivalry starting to develop a little bit. Okay. And it was getting there, but then the Ravens just had a ton of health problems Mm. and they never really were able to get to their potential, but that's such a good team, the Ravens. And you look at who they're adding year on year. They've now locked up Lamar Jackson for another year. Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP, what, two years ago, three years ago, was it? Yeah, Lamar yeah. Jackson single-handedly beat the Chiefs a couple of years ago. It was unanimous MVP. Yeah, unanimous. So famously, like, they are a stupidly talented team with a stupidly talented coach and a stupidly talented quarterback. So I, I'm going to say the rivalry of tomorrow isn't the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to say it's the Baltimore Ravens. And that is itself going to knock the Bengals down as to not actually being a rival. You could also say the Dolphins might be the next rivalry. But is that purely down to the Tyreek Hill link? Or is that the fact that they're probably building a decent roster at the minute and they're expected to do well this year? Yeah, I do enjoy the fact that the Chiefs absolutely shat on that op- the opportunity for that to become a true rivalry by, by putting that game in Germany, by the way. Yeah. Now, I think this is the first podcast we've had since the announcement, isn't it? I think, is it? Yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah. 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 Apologies. Sorry. I was ill the first time and, and my internet broke down the second time. That's why we've not been on a show for six weeks. So it's all yeah. Tom's fault, basically. Yeah, it was all my fault. And I don't like tea anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I was annoyed that we didn't get on a podcast about that to talk about that in particular. Mm. But I actually found out the day before that that game was happening and I really had to sit on it and I really wanted to be like the guy that said, ah, Chief Star wins. Guess what? Tyreek's not getting to play ahead. I really wanted to be the guy that broke it open. And I, I wanted to use headlines for it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to. him in late, Smith. That, that but, yeah, been it, but I decided against it and I, <laughs> I decided not to tell anyone. But when I got told, and I'm not going to tell you who told me, but when, when whoever told me that that was that game, I just, you know, that scene in Jurassic Park when Matey Boy's going hunting for the Velociraptors and he's got his gun and he's looking at one. He's got one, he's looking at one. And then all of a sudden, the other Velociraptor appears and he goes, clever girl, and kills him, right? Yeah. That's how I thought, that's what I was thinking about Mark Donovan, Clark Hunt, and anyone that had anything to do with arranging that fixture for. For, for Germany because it just completely shat on Tyreek Hill's moment yeah. and I know we're talking about this six weeks after the fact and people on these other podcasts have probably talked about it already but I just want to bring it up because it is the ultimate shat house move it really is it was great how they did it I must admit because it, they just let everybody think it was going to be some other game some other matchup yeah um yeah, and you know, and, and also as well, I think everything that was going on with the Bayern Munich link. Yeah, I think everybody thought the first game was going to be in Bayern Munich as well, and and yeah. it just completely, like you said, it came out of left field, didn't it? it just came out the side 
the side eye, let's say. And, but uh, not letting Tyreek throw up the deuces in Arrowheads. After he said he was going to. Is, yeah, like literally two weeks after this, he was saying on his own podcast that he was going to. is a wonderful move. <laughs> it really is. Cannot be understated. I know Chiefs fans are gutted to lose that game. But it's funny, though, that Tariq's not going to get that moment. Proper shot him down, didn't he? He's good because he's going to score a touchdown against us. He's he's because chances are the Dolphins will score one or two touchdowns, and chances are they're forced feeding the ball and he'll get his moment. But it won't I be the same. Two won't be the same because it won't be a go ahead score arrowhead. That two won't throw that far, mate. Yeah, just bloody hilarious. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I agree. With you, I, I'm not too sure the Dolphins are considered a rival yet. There's probably a, a couple of teams I would put a, ahead of them, and that includes their AFC East. Bows the uh, Buffalo Bills are they still considered a rivalry in your book? I don't know because you can see. I, I think there was I watched something before where they were saying about the Bills' Super Bowl window could be closing. Um, and we all heard about obviously the Stefan Diggs unrest and stuff like that. And you know, it, a lot of that kind of does dismantle a team sometimes if one player is disgruntled and stuff, and it kind of mm-hmm. upsets the balance of the team and everything, doesn't it? So I don't know. I mean. You see the Bills, and when you see the Bills during the regular season, they are hot, right? Yeah, they are really good, and I think they even beat the Chiefs, didn't they, at some point um, yeah. in, uh, during Handling. the regular season? And you know, you you watch that team, and you think, God, they're they're definitely Super Bowl bound. And whatever it is, as soon as they get into the big games, into the into the playoffs, they can't get it over the line. Um, mm. You know, they, they they lost to the Bengals this time, didn't they? Um, Badly. And it it it's probably really frustrating being a Bills fan right now because you know the team is capable of doing it and it's got yeah. got all the pieces there, but for whatever reason and and we I know we keep saying that this Bills team is probably similar to how the Chiefs were prior to winning the Super Bowl where they were just there or thereabouts and it could be one of those years where it just suddenly clicks for them like it did for the Chiefs. But yeah, but they haven't got their missing piece like no exactly who who have they got to add to make the Bills. A better team. What, <laughs> one more wide receiver? I mean, they've got a pretty decent wide receiving core already, but yeah, no, exactly. There was them. What our else missing is... piece. Our missing piece was the most talented quarterback that's ever been drafted. That was our. That was our missing piece. Yeah, yeah. I I really don't know what then, their missing piece is. I really exactly. don't. Have hmm. they hit their ceiling? Are they, are, are yeah. they a team that now is just going to rely on? being a good team and then every blue moon they put it all together they managed to put it together for three games and the Chiefs have an off day is that going to be is that their route to the Super possibly I mean I, I, I mean you can't you can't 100% say that they're not going to get to the dance and they're not going to at least at, at least no. challenge for one but you wouldn't put money on them but you wouldn't put yeah exactly yeah you wouldn't put you wouldn't put your house on them to actually do that or even 50 pence put it that way um so, I would say there's still a rivalry with the Chiefs because of how similar setup they are to the Chiefs. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. It's it 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 never seems to material. Like, rivalry just seems to fizzle out in the playoffs, doesn't it? <laughs> so, right, so we've got was that four? We've got three so far. So we've both said an AFC North team each. We we kind of agree with the uh, Bills. I don't. We we're not including the Dolphins. I'm overruling you on that one. All oh, right. Um, okay. 
I'm overruling that. So let's let's say one more, one more. So are you going to go in house? Are you going to go, go in the AFC West? I'm going to say an AFC West team, <laughs> and I think it's the Broncos this year. Yeah, and I think it's because of Frank Clark. You think he's going to be the difference? I think he's going to make it a rivalry. Yeah, like we we know Frank Clark. We love Frank Clark for being like WWF style smack talker. Yeah, and you better believe he's going to be like that. Oh, he's great in the playoffs, though. He's not great in the regular season, though, is he? Yeah, but he's still going to be like it. I think he's still going to talk talk, and and I do think the addition of Sean Payton makes a massive difference to that team. That's what the big difference is for me. Yeah, I think he is going to be big. He's going to be their Andy Reid. Mm. Like, I don't think he's going to be as good as Andy Reid, but I do think he's he turns that team around in a similar sort of vein that Reid did to the Chiefs, like straight away, bam, year, year one. Yeah, noticeable difference, tangible difference, and that will only get better and better. Russell Wilson cannot be as bad as he was last year, mm. and they are uber talented across the board, and they yeah. always play the Chiefs close as well. We hardly ever blow them out. So I think it's the Broncos. I want to say the Chargers, but the like Chargers... What does at this stage? But yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to be that guy. I was to say, everybody's like, well, wait, maybe it's the Chargers here. Maybe. Um, yeah. But no. Does Kellen Moore make that much of a difference for the Chargers, having a capable ace OC? Are they the same amount Chargers? No, I, I I think they need more than just an OC, mate. I really do. What do you think? What do you think will happen with the Chargers if they say they don't make the championship game? Let's say they win one playoff game and then they get knocked out in divisional round. What do you think? Do you reckon that's the end of Brendan Staley? Uh, possibly. Because uh, they're another team. They're another team that's stupidly talented, but cannot really push themselves any further, can't go over the line. It's the problem with the AFC. The Chiefs have absolutely destroyed the AFC as a conference. Yeah. Because we've got so many teams in that conference that would be pushing and pushing hard for a Super Bowl berth if they were in the NFC. Yeah. Ravens, Bengals, Bills, arguably Jets, Dolphins, Chargers. Mm-hmm. Would you say that they're all better than every NFC team, maybe except for the 49ers and the Eagles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they just can't go over the hump because of this, this one quarterback called Patrick Mahomes and this one team called the Chiefs. So I don't know if I, do you know what? Maybe the rivals aren't in the AFC. Maybe the rivals are in the NFC. Maybe the Eagles are the new rival for the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and again, it, looking at it like, how they actually took the uh, the Super Bowl loss? I thought I thought they were great. I thought the Eagles fans were really good. I mean, yeah, you got that odd thing there where they were talking about, well, you know, such and such got hold held, and you didn't have this call, and you didn't have that call. Blah blah blah. You get the, you always get those naysayers, don't you? Mm-hmm. Whenever whenever there's a, a Super Bowl loss, I know we did the same thing when we lost to the uh, to the Bucks, but I think taking it as gracefully as what the Eagles did, it just really kind of uh, really. Put a little shine on 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 winning that Super Bowl because we obviously had the Kelsey Bowl, which was a big thing. It was a feel good factor of everything, and mm. you know it just felt like it was a big celebration of football in, in that Super Bowl, wasn't it? And the game just turned out so electric, such a fantastic yeah, yeah. game, one of the best Super Bowls we've seen. Um, so rivalry rivalry wise, I would probably say that 
for football content, yes. But for trash talking, it's not really that that kind of rivalry, is it? It's 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 more of a respectful rivalry. Yeah. So if if, if we're going for the whole trash talk, Bengals. talk, whatever you want to call it, it's the Bengals. <laughs> it's the Bengals. Yeah, but for for pure football rivalry, right now, I I'm, I I still can't believe I still watch that that game back in the Super Bowl. I watched it back a few times, and I still watch that Eagles O line. It was so phenomenal mm. that I just I, I I'm I'm just transfixed on it whenever I see that game because I, yeah. I, I can't not watch it. I know a lot of the time I like to skip towards the you know the the Chiefs scoring touchdowns and everything like that, but just seeing that O line work was. It was football heaven. Crazy, yeah. If oh, you yeah. were a neutral, it was football heaven because it had a bit of everything. It did. Excellent offense, some good defense, and a semi-climactic finish. So, yeah, I, I don't think it is the Eagles. No. I think, hand on heart, we have to, after all of that, I think we have to say it's the Bengals. <laughs> and the Chiefs are playing their part in the trash talk because the Mahomes comeback to Jamar Chase via Twitter... <laughs> I was going to get to that, yeah. It's the hardest flex I've ever seen in my life. Is it that, is it? What, is it? what yeah. was it? That was who, it, yeah. yeah. I'm just doing the, no, doing that, the fingers. That, that that's who, that was, was it? Yeah. That was the famous quote. I I just, you know, do you ever like sit there and like write something or think of something that you've said and start laughing to yourself because you think you're the funniest person on earth at that moment in time? Yeah, like, yeah, I, I do, do it every time. time. Every tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time. The missus is constantly like that at me, like, what are you laughing at? What have you said? And I'm like, because I think personally that I'm the funniest person on earth. My, other people might not think it, but I do. Um, so uh, how do you reckon Mahomes was? Do you reckon Brittany was just sitting next to him as he was typing that mess- tweet out going, what are you doing? What's that stupid smirk on your face? And then he'd be like, goes, <laughs> yeah, sitting there giggling away. <laughs> I, I <just> giggling away. <laughs> yeah. You need to put like Beavis and Butthead laughs, just like <laughs> over this as you're going through. You can sit there going, <laughs> and as he said, said, and then he was like, watch this. <laughs> and then his phone just blow up. Like, do you, he, surely he doesn't keep notifications on. I, I absolutely would if I said something like that. Just hear my phone going, Beep. I like to think that he keeps my notifications on. <laughs> whoever, I, I bet he's I bet he sent that tweet. I bet whoever looks after his socials normally probably thought, oh, thanks, Pat. You've just made my life so much easier. Because <laughs> he's going to go for like, well, the engagement rates within the end. He's going, oh, we had this really high engagement rate in the middle of June. It must have been something yeah. that I'd done. <laughs> my tweet. <laughs> you know the beauty of it, what my homes does, though? He doesn't react straight away. No. Does he? He waits for a moment to actually just go, right, there you go, there's my response. I mean, we've seen it with, uh, you know, he's counting on the fingers, uh, yeah. you know, during that game. You know, he's counted to 10 because obviously, the you know, teams that actually, you know, missed out on him. Um, and it's just things like that where he keeps locked away and he just waits for the right, right moment to just mm-hmm. drop it, drop it in there, just like a little pebble. Yeah. Yeah, they just causes waves from that little pebble, doesn't he? That um, and that was that was a prime example of it. You know, Pat, who, that's who. Um, yeah, it was it was sweet, and the amount of people that retweeted it as well it just blew yeah. up, blew up Twitter, didn't it? It was great. I had loads of people like coming at me on Twitter and in the comments of Arrowhead Pride for referencing him as Petty Pat, and he absolutely is petty. Petty Mahomes, that's what I call him. Yeah, he absolutely is a petty guy, and. I think I love that about him the most. Like of all of his traits, it's the fact that he just sees, 
hears everything. Like everyone knows the like the uh, the famous "I took that personally" quote from yeah. Michael Jordan, and him saying about how he made stuff up. Mahomes is absolutely that guy. I think He's, you need that though. I think I think you need that to be a top level athlete like that. You need to believe you are the I best, but and no, you no, are showing not, people. No, I refuse to believe that every athlete. That is considered like every athlete that's professional at mm. some point has been at the top of their game at their level. Yeah. Whether it was when they were younger, whether it's now, wherever division they were at, when they've gone up through the ranks, college, whatever. At some point in their life, they have been the best player around their peers. Agreed? Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that all of those people have that same had that same mindset as what Mahomes done has okay. now. Okay, I'll I'll change that. Not every player has to have that or every every athlete has yeah. to have that, but every legendary athlete has to have that to be the greatest. They have to I have I suppose that. you you only have to look at Tom Brady when he was doing the whole oh, you nobody believed in us that speech. Yeah. Um Years you're ago. too old, you, you know, like the whole, you know, Julian Edelman thing. You're too old, you're too old, you're not meant to be here. You know, shouting at, at Tom Brady and Tom Brady's yeah. like just lapping it up, you know. And like you said, it's making stuff up as well. But also there was some truth to that in a way because it, there was, I mean, I was saying it, you know, Tom Brady's too old, he shouldn't be winning Super Bowls and he, he can't win another one, surely. And he won another two after the last time I yeah. mentioned it. So, you know, he, he will hear that and he will feel that. And I think, you're right. Patrick Mahomes is very much on that level of legendary status where he uses that as fuel. And even a, even a small, minute thing like that, like Pat who he'll use that to the best mm-hmm. of his, his, of his ability. And, but he's, he's so cocksure about himself, the confidence that he uses from actually his abilities to play. Yeah. But he doesn't come across as like an absolute <laughs> about it. No, where some people do. Yeah, so they'll come across, you know, if you are the greatest at something, you know, the arrogance spills out, doesn't it? But yeah. I think Mahomes just injects that a little bit now and again, just to go, just reminding people that he is the greatest. We're going to talk a little Chiefs today, as we like to do on Arrowhead Pride. We're going to start off with a different game than we've played this time. This one is called Two Truths and a Lie. So I'm going to read three statements that could all be true, could all be false, but you're going to pick which one you think is the most likely to be false. So there's not a right answer in this instance. I'm just going to make three statements. You tell me which one you think will end up being false. So my three statements are 2022 George Karloftis. So last year's George Karloftis will have more sacks than FAU this season. Brian Cook will outsnap Mike Edwards. And Wanya Morris will start two games or more. Which one of those do you think is the most likely to be a lie? This one was really hard for me. Uh, I was really going back and forth between one and three. I think I'm ultimately going to go with three being Wanya Morris starts two games or more being the most likely to be false. Because we know like Jawan Taylor is going to play 16 games. The question really comes down to, because I'm honestly not, or 17 games, I'm not sold that Donovan Smith is going to make it through the season. Um, he's a guy that had a bunch of injuries last year, and we don't even know if his play is going to be great. I do think he's going to go into the season as a starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change. But if Lucas Niang, you know, he has the pedigree in terms of how long he's been in the building. Um, if Donovan Smith's an issue, we know Lucas Niang has starting experience at right tackle. And I do think it would make some sense for Wanya Morris to take a redshirt year. 
uh, potentially even just learn how to play left tackle for 2024. But that to me is probably the one that is least likely to be true. But I, that, I, mean, I still see a scenario where he starts. That was that was kind of the conundrum. I, I at first I wrote one game and I was like, okay, well that could be you know the end of the yeah, season. Is, They're yeah. benching a player, so, you know. I here's the thing. I I look at that and I again, it's kind of a do you think Donovan Smith is going to be healthy question and mm-hmm. a little bit of like do you think he's going to be putrid and awful? The one thing that you kind of brought up with Lucas Nying that's kind of true is I almost wonder if they didn't draft Wanya Morris and be like, Hey, for sure floor swing tackle. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't really know if Donovan Smith did go down, if they would put Wanya Morris in right away. Like, I don't think he, they would put him at left. I think that they would maybe do the Juwan Taylor at left thing mm-hmm. and then maybe put Nying at right. I'm just not sure if Morris sees the field at all this season. And I, you know, there there was quite a few people that would, when they were watching film of Anton Harrison, say, oh, the right tackle is actually the best tackle for Oklahoma. So there, there was a lot of supporters of Morris. But I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure Wanya Morris was the, like, after the first round ended, and I, Anton Harrison, I'm pretty sure Wanya Morris was, like, the next tackle taken in the draft. Um, I'll, I'll have to go back and look, but I thought I read that so- somewhere. But I just... You know, I, I just am wondering how likely it is that he's actually going to see the field at all this year. Yeah, that, that's kind of the question is like, you know, I, I liked that pick. I liked Wanya Morris coming into the draft. He was someone that I remember we on the AP draft show, we drafted him in the third round. So like we thought that was a good pick, but like he does need a lot of work. Like it, it's going to take him time to kind of develop kind of his technique and things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs try and kind of hold him out. And then kind of, you know, decide in the 2024 offseason when they're evaluating tackle options, what exactly they want to do long term. But I mean, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he started. I mean, I think he's more talented than Lucas Yang. And if he comes in and is able to kind of pick things up quickly, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, is the third tackle on this team. But of those three, I just think that's the one that's least likely to happen. I did. I did find it. So it depends on what you think of Tyler Steen. If you consider Tyler Steen a guard, that stat is true because Anton Harrison went oh, to the wow. Jags and then Tyler Steen yeah. to the Eagles in round two. And then Wanya was the next tackle. So like mm-hmm. true tackle person that's not going to play on the inside. It's Wanya. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I was, I was 50, 50. Like I could see a situation that FAU actually gets more sacks. I think he might be a little bit more tool. He's definitely more toolsy than uh, Carl Laftis was, but I felt like Carl Laftis's like raw traits just gave him such a high floor. And I also, I think Carl Loftus just saw the field more last year. Like he played quite a few snaps. I think it was like 600 snaps or something. Mm-hmm. I, and also he has that ability to kick on the inside. I'm not sure FAU is going to do a ton of that for the Chiefs. He's more of the classic wide nine rusher. Although I am interested. I, I'm a little surprised. We'll see. Spags loves his veterans. I, I could see a situation where they rely on Mike Edwards a lot more than we're planning on. Because Brian Cook he, he did play some meaningful snaps and kind of came on towards the end of the season. But I do think that there's a situation or a scenario that he's not playing as much as we expect him. Kind of like, you know, Juan Thornhill's path wasn't always the most just easy and mm-hmm. upright. All right, Nate, let's hear your three statements. So I have three here. The one I have first is the Chiefs will make one more defensive tackle addition before the season, a meaningful one. So like a veteran. My second one is running back Deneric Prince will get the most non-Isaiah Pacheco running back touches. And number three was that Drew Tranquil will out-snap Willie Gay Jr. this season. 
which one do you think is least likely to happen? Um, so here's my thought process. I think, especially given defensive tackle market, I feel like, you know, Chiefs brought in Danny Shelton last year. I feel like there's a really high likelihood of that happening, especially because defensive tackle, it's kind of one of those positions like you have one role. And if you're not filling that role anymore, you're not going to fill that role. Keanu Coburn's a rookie. Uh, Derek Naughty is a veteran. They don't really have a lot there. Otherwise, Tershawn Wharton's coming out the ACL injury. So, I, and I, there's going to be value out there for some of those players. I, I've not looked through the list, but I guarantee you there's someone who's a Danny Shelton like signing. Um, it could be, you know, literally could be Brandon Williams, who just finished with the Chiefs last season. Um, either way, I, there's definitely more depth that needs to be there and more security there. So I feel like that one's definitely true. Um, Daenerys Prince getting the most non Pacheco RB touches feels like something that's possible. Like it definitely feels like it's possible. I know that they're already singing his praise. We'll get to that a little bit later. The one thing that I wonder about with him is like Jarek McKinnon is just, he's carved out such a clear role with the team and he finished so strong last year, but also McKinnon as last year was kind of an enigma where he didn't get injured. Typically he does. Then you have the Clyde injury. It it honestly could be one of those type of things or not the Clyde injury, but the Clyde factor in there as well. It also could be like one of those things where Clyde and McKinnon split the carries and then Prince comes in with enough that it, it, you could have a situation where someone, you know, ultimately takes like 11% of the snaps and ends up winning just because it's all kind of split the vote. Um, and then I feel like most people are thinking that Drew Tranquil will out snap Willie Gay. Like Drew Tranquil, just as linebacker version, Dan Sorensen. I decided on the last podcast, like Spagnola is going to freaking like the the apocalypse could be out there you know like the the asteroid could be heading towards earth and drew tranquil would be defending it for the chiefs i have no <laughs> doubt like that's happening um so i'm, I'm gonna go with the generic prince one just because we love them and the pacheco comparisons are there but i do feel like some of the things they do are a little redundant and also i feel like the presence of mckinnon and clyde edward delaire the chiefs would love for clyde to make them feel a little bit better about their draft pick like if clyde can mm-hmm. come in and just not be injured or bad they would love to kind of pat themselves on the back. It, sure. it feels all warm and fuzzy when that pick actually isn't just a total bad pick. So, so I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's probably the one I would, I was thinking maybe too, but the case would be, you already kind of heard the chief. I think McKinnon mentioned this, but also the coaching staff, they're seeming to be really like load managing Jared McKinnon this off season. I wouldn't be surprised that carries into the season. Cause last year he had a real meaningful role. He had 10 receiving touchdowns. He was a huge part of the chiefs red zone package. But I did think by the end of the season, he kind of ran out of juice. His legs just weren't there as much. And another year older, more injuries. They're going to want to probably load manage him as much as possible. Clyde Edwards-Alaire does this make this interesting. But because I actually do, I am buying a little bit of Clyde stock. I think that he, it's by all reports, he's come in really good shape this offseason. I just, I, I understand he hasn't lived up to the profile of what he was coming in the draft. But he was a really talented player. At some point, I think some of those traits will kind of display in, at some level. Uh, the one, if I, I I was looking at the defensive tackle, like free agent list, it's definitely not great. It's Shelby Harris, Limbaugh Joseph, and Dominic Sue, like a bunch of guys in their 30s. The reason why I wrote down this, though, is that I don't think Tershawn Wharton's practice so far. Like, I don't even think he's been in minicamp so far. Who knows if he's even going to be really ready before the season. And the Chiefs do not have a lot of defensive tackles. So if he's missing, I wouldn't be surprised if they added someone there. But as of now, I think he'll be back. So if I had to pick, that would be the one I don't think happens. 
Yeah, and you know, kind of going back to the running back conversation a little bit, this is something that I wrote about last year and kind of did a deep dive into. There just seems to be this mindset of, and Chiefs fans were looking forward to the fact that the Chiefs could probably re-sign Jarek McKinnon. And it, it's really hard to argue with somebody who says, like, well, look at the numbers. He's clearly, you know, a huge upgrade, one of the best offensive players on the team. But you have to realize that last year was kind of the exception to the rule for him. And then, sure, it's gone full pendulum, right? Like when the Chiefs picked a Clyde in the first round, a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, you know, it's actually really smart to get a running back in the first round because you get that fifth-year option on them. And now we've gone the full other way where it's like, well, I don't, I don't know why they would ever draft a running back. The truth lies somewhere in the middle there. Historically, there have not been many backs that have gone beyond the third round that have really turned into anything. The freaking Chargers have drafted a, a day three running back like every year for the last five years, and they all stink. You know, I I was kind of a proponent of a day two running back for the Chiefs, maybe because I just thought there was a definite clear defined role. And like running backs are just one of those things, too, that you can never really have enough and they're going to get injured. Uh, you know, Pacheco obviously played really well in the Super Bowl. I still am a little concerned about him. Like, I just don't think you have a true bell cow there, like a Chase Brown or someone with someone that I thought about a lot for the Chiefs, uh, just someone who could really carry the load. But yeah, it'll it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, hey, generic prince turns out to be awesome then that's just more great news because not only do you have another rookie who's an offensive weapon but also literally as cheap as they can be probably as a udfa so i know one thing though we're going to get into kind of our stock up and stock down here and watch you start with generic prince since we were just talking about him uh generic prince his praises were sung by dave tobe when he was at the mic he described him as the starting kick returner at this time do you think that this just gives him a safe spot on the roster? And what do you think it means for his offensive role? Oh, I, I, he's making the roster. Like, I have absolutely no doubt about that. I know uh, our own Pete Sweeney kind of reported that the Chiefs had Daryl Henderson in on a visit during minicamp, but I don't think that matters. He's been someone that could easily be a kick returner for the Chiefs, like, very quickly. Um, you know, obviously, he has I've, I've heard somewhere he has the best speed score of any running back in the draft this previous year. On offense, it's tough to see a role because I honestly think he's similar in terms of like body type and open line speed to like Isaiah Pacheco. But, you know, Pacheco hasn't really practiced much this offseason. He's had those surgeries. So he's someone that's going to get those opportunities like as we go into training camp if Pacheco isn't there. And like I mentioned, I think the Chiefs are going to low manage Derek McKinnon. Claude Edwards Alaire deals a lot of injuries. So he's kind of like if you kind of look at Prince, he's kind of the last man standing if Pacheco isn't around during camp if he's not around during, or at least the early parts of camp. So yeah, I absolutely think he's making the roster. I think he's going to have a role in offense because Edwards, Alaire and McKinnon are just not high usage kind of players and they need somebody besides Pacheco. Side note, a non-generic Prince note. Do you think that there is any scenario that the Chiefs are interested in Dalvin Cook at all? I don't. I just don't think the Chiefs would want to use any of their cast space on him. Uh, it's not like they have any now anyways, but I don't think they would do like a Chris Jones extension or moving Kelsey's money around to sign a running back. Uh, I just, I just don't think that's really like, I know the Chiefs did that with Sean McCoy, but I don't think that's really in their MO just to add a running back new into their offense late here. And I think Pacheco was too good last year for them to do that. Very different phases of the team, right? Like that was right. rookie, rookie year Mahomes. They hadn't won any Super Bowls with Mahomes at that time. Now they have two. It feels like they're really just kind of like no, no, no player is bigger than the plan for mm -hmm. the Chiefs. But it does feel like they've been looking for a long time for that true playmaker since Kareem Hunt left. And it would be great for this offense to have that to have a, a running back that teams really feared. 
because even what Pacheco's given them, I still don't feel like the player, the Chiefs have a player, a running back who just makes something out of nothing. Like Jamal Charles, obviously he's like one of the best to ever do it, but there are just times, or you know, Jonathan Taylor, pick a pick a good mm-hmm. back in the league. There are times when they when they get the ball and you're like, oh, this is done, and then they turn it into something. And I just feel like the Chiefs have not had that running back since Kareem Hunt, where it's just like, oh, that play was all Kareem Hunt. Um, I'm thinking of that that toss run that they had where he like jumped over three Broncos players to get in the end zone. That was all Kareem Hunt. Mm. And that, that just doesn't happen very much for the chief running back right now, but you can't really complain with about the results. All right. Next little piece of news. We're going to decide if stock up or stock down is Andy Reed says in a press conference that sky Moore actually led the team in catches during minicamp. What does this mean? Do you think it means Sky Moore is doing really well. Do you think it means like he's trying to raise uh, Sky Moore's stock up? Like, see, look, he's doing great. Like, maybe he's not doing great. How do you interpret that piece of news? So I, I was honest, when I saw this, I was thinking, like, could he lead the team in reception? So I kind of looked. Last year, Marquez Valdez-Scanling had 81 targets, but he only had 42 receptions. And and I was kind of like, could Sky Moore lead the wide receivers in receptions? And at first, I was kind of like, I don't think so. The more I thought about it, I absolutely think he's going to lead this team in receptions this year. Kadarius Tony, I, I know he has a lot of talent, but when you factor in the injuries, do you I, mean it's kind of one? You mean total receptions, or do you mean wide receiver receptions? Wide receiver receptions. I was okay. Travis Kelsey's in his own category. Okay, that's that's uh, my that, figure. That's, a, that's an important point. Um, but like MVS is a very like up and down player, and I just don't think like I don't see his role expanding at all this year. I think we kind of know what he is within this offense. And Kadarius Tony is someone that could probably take on more volume. The tricky part for the Chiefs is like they can put more volume on Tony, but then he's going to be less durable. Like it, it just it feels like it's like one of those players. It's like a like to compare it to basketball. He's a guy that you can't play like thirty four minutes a night and have him shoot like twenty five shots. You need him shooting like you know six you know, fifteen shots a game on like twenty six minutes or whatever that would be. So the Chiefs are going to have to try and load manage him. And when you kind of look at the rest of the receiving core. At least only Sky Moore to really get those targets. So I think he's going to run away with kind of the title of like the most catches for the Chiefs in terms of wide receivers. The fantasy community is always a fun one. Um, generally, if you see an awful tweet uh, as regards it's like player rankings and stuff like that, like they're usually behind it. But sometimes they are good for analysis when it comes to like general pop. I keep coming back to the fact that Scott, uh, Kadarius Tony is one of those players that whenever you look at his target share com- related to routes run, like he's he's a darling, right? Like when he's on the field, he's getting the ball, which I think speaks mm-hmm. to a little bit of his injury history and speaks to a little bit of like what a playmaker he is with the ball in his hands. You know, it's been talked about that Matt Nagy came out and they were asking like, hey, Kadarius Tony, wide receiver one, huh? And he's like, yeah, we love him when he has the ball in his hands not really like this huge ringing endorsement of him as a player. I think for Sky Moore, I'm not sure that in this offense with this coach, with this quarterback, with Travis Kelsey, I'm not even sure Sky Moore has to be that great of a player. Mm-hmm. Like obviously he can't just be in, wrong. And that, and that was honestly part of the problem last year. He was literally wrong. He was in the wrong place. He was making mistakes. He's talked about his struggles with it. We all know the corn dog story of he was in the wrong place. Like, but if he can just be in the right place and just catch the freaking ball when it comes to him, I don't think I don't think it's that hard. I mean, you look at some of the players that did well for the Patriots in that offense over the time. The list the list of receivers outside of Gronk are in, you know, the one season of Randy Moss, the couple seasons of Randy Moss. It's 
it's hilarious, honestly, some of the people that real were real contributors. I'm not sure that Sky Moore has to just be this great guy. I think he just needs to catch the ball when it comes his way, get up field, fall down, get up, do it again. And if he can do that, I'm not sure, you know, I, I was recanting some of the takes about Juju Smith-Schuster and how he was just irreplaceable for the Chiefs offense last year. And and I, I'm just not sure that what's being asked of Sky Moore is going to be that hard for him to do. So I, I I view this as good news, especially the most catches thing. I just think that that kind of comes back to catch the ball when it comes your way, get open. Travis Kelsey's going to draw coverage. MVS is going to draw coverage. Just do your, do your job when it's there. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Let's set the scene a little bit. Harold and I were there. Mark, obviously, you stay tuned on the socials it was union station and they tried to keep it under wraps i don't know how well of a job they did doing that there were some fans there but they had all of the the same backdrop that they used for the parade it was uh on those front kind of panels on union station so big super bowl banner um and, and then the red carpet was right out there in front nice balmy 90 to 90 degree day um and i thought another cool underrated part of this whole night was you got to see not only with the cars that the guys drove but like how they arrived to like this red carpet event if you will like you saw guys going from chauffeur status all the way up to like i saw Darian Kennard just kind of driving himself in casually and just getting out of the car like it was cool to see uh these guys kind of just put this bookmark i guess if you will on the final chapter of their super bowl season i've never seen anything like this mark have you seen a team do this kind of red carpet, fine dining, formal type event for uh, for a ring ceremony? No, not that I can recall. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with the fact their first one kind of got ruined, right? Like how Harold was talking about they were on the field, open areas, had the social distance and all of that. And you still got a pretty decent amount of guys from that team 
still on this current team as well. And then obviously with the new guys that win their first ring, you know, you want them to just make it really special for everybody involved. And I think they did a really good job. I think also too, it kind of, it's like a trickle effect, right? Kind of where Harold's talking about this victory tour that is still continuing. You had the draft in Kansas City, which was basically another parade in a way, right? You had Mahomes and Kelsey coming out with the trophy, flexing to the crowd, and then now you get this. It just seems like a big old celebration that I think you finally could put a bow on now. Now they can really turn the page fully to the 2023 season. It was really cool to see it, not just the players. Obviously, we know the players, they win the game. They play the game. They completed the 10-point comeback. But this truly was an organizational event, if you will. You saw communication staffers, PRs, the ones that we work very closely with, all the way down to photographers, um, 65 toss power trap, that whole thing. Like It was cool to see everybody kind of wrapped their arms around what the organization was able to accomplish. That's kind of one of the things I took away from it, Harold. I, I know you were kind of grumpy and disgruntled and mad to be in the heat the whole time. Well, I'm just grumpy and disgruntled generally. Um, but no, it's, uh, I mean, I will say a couple things that were cool. Andy Reid just driving up with his wife, Tammy, just, you know, like it's a, he's just parking to go into union station. Basically. He's not like the two time Super Bowl winning head coach. I mean, you got Brendan Daly over here in an open-air Mustang being chauffeured. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, now everybody knows what Patrick Mahomes, one of his – I guess he's got another another ride to add uh, to the uh, collection, a growing collection. I thought he borrowed that from you. I thought he, I thought he took no, that from you. No, no. Yeah. Well, because I don't have a Texas license plate. So <laughs> that's why you know it's not from me. Um, so, put up in the Rari. Unless I went down to Dallas. No, he brought a, 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 a Rolls. So, it was all all white yeah, with all the white yeah, so, it, was, it was clean I mean, the know, double r okay you, you can pay half a billion dollars and you can you can fly a little bit sometimes you know, team friendly deal of course but uh, <laughs> you, you, i mean only only 45 million dollar base salary this year i mean only 45 million so not bad not that yeah, bad it's pretty pretty good pretty good work you can get out there for uh, do we have any issues with the ring itself uh, some details over 260 diamonds baguette diamonds and different diamonds and the top comes off and there's a there's a quote on the inside from i believe it's lamar hunt who says arrowhead stadium is my favorite place on earth and it can turn into a pendant i don't i, I can you even beef with i mean it feels like super bowl jewelry has gotten so gaudy like it's not even really it's more of a conversation piece than like an actual ring at this point yeah, because when are you really going to wear this in a normal setting? Like, you're not going to wear that big old ring just going out to dinner in, on the plaza in Kansas City. Like, it's one of those things you're literally going to wear for, like, this type of event, obviously. Maybe, I don't know, a Chiefs banquet or something. Like, you're not just wearing this on the normal basis. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you are. Actually, maybe you are. Maybe some guys are. Maybe these younger guys are because, you know, you see these rappers out here wearing these big old rings and jewelry, just normal. So maybe they maybe I'm the old guy here. That I, that was a very old state. That, that right there was an old state. That was something on, I was Aaron, expecting Harold to say. I was expecting Aaron, hold on, hold on. Aaron, if you had a ring that big, are you wearing that like on a normal basis? Well, a lot of the guys say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll wear it this this next week, you know, my next trip or whatever, since it's new, everybody wants to see it. And then you kind of tuck it away for a long time until I know specifically, and I'll toss it to you after this, 
as uh, Del Monte Green Beans chimes in on YouTube and says the ring is kind of like a trophy. And I agree. It kind of is more of like a, a, a stationary piece that you bring out on special occasions. I think it's going to be sweet for the owners to wear. For Clark Hunt, Mark Donovan, some of those people in the front office, when they get together with other league, uh, uh, league officials, you know, and they had those league meetings, best believe I'm putting it on that handshake hand to be able to, <laughs> to, be able to remind you well, what our team was able to accomplish. Are you, are you wearing both or just the most recent one? Are you wearing both of them? What do you think? What do you think, Harold? Well, I feel the first one's going to feel a little left out because it's smaller than the second one. I mean, you can tell the noticeable difference, for one. Uh, to Domantes, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, point. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Lombardi Trophy's in the second ring. Arrowhead Stadium's in the second ring. This, the play, I mean, it's, 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 not, it's actually better than a Super Bowl trophy, Basby, because it's a collection of what happened throughout the season. Got memorable quotes. Got your stadium. It tells a story. It tells a story of the, the 2022-23 Kansas City Chiefs, which is exactly what a Super Bowl ring does. I mean, the Rams made a huge one, and the Chiefs were like, "We got to do it." I mean, Aaron, you remember when Travis Kelsey said before it even began, and it's one of one. Um, you know, Justin's did the job. Everybody went with it. I mean, there's plenty of good ring stories. I mean, I think one of the cooler stories was Trey Smith who's, um, you know, everybody brought their date or their, you know, wife or, or girlfriend or what have you. He brought his father. Um, and he said, you know, this is for his mom. Who he, His mother's passed away, and that was for his mom. You know, she would have loved a night like that. And I think that's special. I mean, you know, like Trey's got a ring. That's special to him. You know, he earned that. I mean, let's think about Trey. The reason he's there is because of the way they lost that second Super Bowl. That's the reason he's there. Absolutely. So, and him and Creed, I mean, and uh, and Joe Tooney, those are the reason those guys are there. So, I think it's really cool that you know you have storytelling involved in it. I mean, this is just the beginning. I mean, these things are going to get. I mean, like watch the Nuggets, watch what the Chiefs did, and they're going to have a crazy yeah. ring. Watch whoever wins baseball, they're going to have a ring that's crazy. I mean, the bar just keeps going up and up and up and up with these rings. I mean, but look, it's not like we can just you know, get, take money out of our check to buy those rings because it's our entire check plus another month's rent. So, I thought you already had one. No, I do not have one. They didn't give you one Super Bowl champion broadcaster? I, I didn't do anything to win the Super Bowl, Aaron. I was just there. I was, I was, I was just there. I was present. Give yourself so, some credit. You had some great Yeah, reports. there we go. Well, the, the Chiefs, to my, they used a couple of my reports in their, uh, some, uh, their little 65 thoughts uh, – Toss power trap up production uh, pieces. Big dog. Yeah, get a ring. Because I was like, that's my voice. I recall that voice. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to ask Dave Van Wy and the great staff over there why why I didn't get a ring. So, uh, but no, it's. Um, Let's I, talk I about a guy who has two rings and he liked to show them off very proudly on social media in response to Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase. And I thought this was an awkward situation that Chase was kind of put in because Joe Burrow clearly said Pat was the best. And then he basically was put in front of that information. And he did what I thought most logical competitors would do, especially if your biggest rival just won the Super Bowl. Oh, Pat who? Like, I'm not even recognizing anybody except for the guys who are in this locker room. I thought it was a good clapback. I think this is emblematic of what this rivalry is going to continue to be. It's going to be a lot, a lot of chatter. And then there's going to be one game, uh, one game on the regular season schedule and one game on the postseason schedule, in my opinion, 
for the next three or four years. What is start with you, Mark, and then we'll go around the horn because this is your account. This this is what you like. This is the pettiness. What did you think of the the, the petty petty back and forth between Mahomes and and Jamar Chase? Well, first of all, I want to address one thing that you said that I thought was definitely <laughs> inaccurate. You said this is what most competitors would do. That is not true because most competitors would no here they will say that they will defend their guy. I get that part of it, but you didn't have to say Pat who. You could have been like, yeah, Pat's a great quarterback as well. We know what he's done and things like that. But I'm rolling with my guy, Joe Burrow. The fact that he said Pat who is the reason why he got flexed on. If it wasn't for that, this wouldn't have been a thing. That's where it became a thing. And, hey, if that's how he's rolling, that's fine. That's Jamar Chase. You know, receivers love the drama, love the build-up things and being the headlines. I get it. So he's one of those next guys in line of this new generation of wide receivers. And let's get it. Let's face it. He went to LSU with Joe Burrow, so they're like brothers, right? So That's his guy. Yeah, but still, the Pat Who was still a pot shot. It was a little extra. It was a little extra sauce on there, but that—that's yeah. that, the rivalry. I'm not gonna give any extra ammunition or congratulatory. Like I'm not gonna leap any extra praise on the guy well, that not that ended my season. Pat, you know? Why give Pat any extra more motivation? We know that Pat thrives on these type of things, right? When he played the Bears a couple years ago, he counted his fingers because they didn't draft him over. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky we've seen him do petty things before time and time again so as a Chiefs fan Chiefs supporter you should be very very happy that this happened because I mean I don't think he needed any more motivation because Pat is self-driven and I think he's truly chasing the ghost in Tom Brady but it doesn't hurt to have just a little bit of extra on the side when you do play those boys again next year Sean chimes in on YouTube and says the Bungles, I think he means Cincinnati, may have a tough road ahead. The North should be good this year. DMAC always chiming in. Shout out Kingdom Cast says Pat who. I thought this was playful. I thought it was fun. And I'm going to be honest, I was very close to asking him about it because Pat talked twice that day. He talked at the podium and then he talked at the red carpet. Both of those times I was about to say, ah, but he addressed it in, in the most Pat way possible. What did you make of it, uh, Harold? Well, it's funny that he mentions the Bungles, um, you know, which for the longest time they were the Bungles. And, and yeah, I, I think uh, their division might be the most competitive in the AFC this upcoming season because Pittsburgh is reemerging, I believe. And I, I think they're my surprise team at AFC this year, um, along with Denver. And the only reason I say Denver is just because they have competent coaching this year. But um, going back to the uh, – you know what we were talking about. It's, it's 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 fascinating when you say you you watch the whole thing in its entirety about how the, the kind of the how it went. And I believe the Pat who was just more like the Pat who like hey, we know who he is. It, it, and things can get misconstrued as we know. But I mean, like, come yeah. on, you can't misconstrue Pat who Harold. You can't. There's no way to misconstrue, especially with the smile on his face. After there's no way to misconstrue. I think the smile was like, uh, you know, like he knows. Um, But yeah, I mean, but he said it, and obviously, Patrick and his people, or just him, they knew what was coming. They knew the ring ceremony was coming. It's like, ah, it's fine. You can talk all you want. Come June 16th or whatever date that was, I will be showing off two rings. You know, and that's, and I mean, he might as well just put him in two middle fingers. Like he might, I mean, honestly, he might as well have, because 
They have the rings. They don't. That's what's important. So you want Pat to go full heel. Just yeah. <laughs> well, I think the Chiefs are slowly starting to play themselves into a heel. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Like everyone chases the winners, right? And they're the winners right now. And when and Justin Reed did, when Justin thing. Reed stepped out on his ledge, though, and kind of poked Cincinnati back, it was almost like Casey withdrew. It, Cincinnati has not stopped. It, it, it's no, almost as he, if they he, are. Said something. I think every receiver on the Bengals roster has said something, Aaron. I, I believe that T. Higgins has said something. We know Jamar Chase has definitely said something. They've all said something. I mean, Joe Burrow was asked about it by the Cincinnati media. Who do you think is the best quarterback? And he said, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it, he didn't take the bait. Honestly. So, I mean, it's just, you really get down to it. Yeah. Cincinnati is going to talk because that's all they're thinking about right now. I mean, everybody says rent free. I, I believe there is a rent free from both sides of this rivalry. Uh, the Kansas city Cincinnati rivalry for years to come. I think the believers are because they know they're two equals. I mean, Cincinnati Wait, has to Mark, you don't like that. <laughs> you don't like the fact that Cincinnati's living rent free. Kansas city's got the wings. rings. Oh, I think no, 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 no. No, my point was I was going to take this a little further. I think this is going to rival the whole Burrowhead thing, right? When the Chiefs beat them in Arrowhead, they were mocking them back. Burrowhead, this is, you know what I'm saying? I think this is going to be kind of similar to that if the Chiefs do beat them, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. You're going to hear the that's who or Pat who. Like, it's going to be thrown back in their face. And that clip. It's gonna it's gonna surface again if the Chiefs beat them, man. I'm telling you, that's that's one of those next chapter in the rivalry. Went from Burrowhead, now it's that's who or Pat's who. That's the next chapter in this story. There's always gonna be something, and the fact that we have to wait till December 31st for this. That's woof. They they could have done us a service and pushed this thing back up to October or something, but nope. (laughs) We 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 are we are day 365. Of 365 to wait for this game. So and you're you know the NFL is hoping that game has playoff seeding implications. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's keep talking about the ring ceremony. Some good conversation there. Episode 48, Chiefs Coast to Coast. Mark Bunnels, Aaron Ladd, Kramer Sandstone, and our guest, Harold Koontz, talking ring ceremony. How about two guys? And of course, there's more, but I want to focus in on these two because there was a lot of chatter. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, someone who famously missed out on the Super Bowl parade, wasn't seen at the White House, was spotted at the ring ceremony, and I thought that was noteworthy. And on the other end, uh, a guy that's continued to have this contentious contract negotiation extension talks, Chris Jones, who was absent from mandatory minicamp, was pictured at the White House festivities, says that he was sick and didn't make it to the ring ceremony for that reason. Take what you want from either of those, Harold, and then we'll go around. Well, first things first with Chris Jones. I know it's kind of like if we're humans and we want to leave work, you're going to say, oh, I'm sick. I can't make it. <coughs> oh, yeah, oh exactly. sniffles. Yeah, yeah not feeling like, good. I get that. But, I mean, if he didn't want to be there, he didn't want to be there. If he did, he did. I mean, I'm not going to fully speculate on his condition at the time. I don't know. But at the same time, I mean, he did respond on Twitter like, I'm sick. Like, okay, sure. Like, if you didn't want to be there, you didn't want to be there. If you did, you did, and you were sick, you're sick. Okay. Um, I mean, that, that's fine. Um, that didn't so raise he, an eyebrow to you that he wasn't there? I thought, and I bet you thought the same way. He'd probably sneak in the back door. And that's what I originally thought, in. yeah. I thought that he was there. 
And maybe you just like directed people like, I don't want any pictures taken of me. And they're like, okay, sure. Good. But I mean, he says he legitimately wasn't there. I mean, he went out of his way to say it. So again, I'm not going to speculate on that. I mean, that's his prerogative. We're on a podcast, Harold. You have to speculate. Come on. No, that's what the, this know, the whole no, thing no. we're doing here is. No, no. This is not what the Kansas and Missouri <laughs> Broadcast Bureau of the Year does. You're not on it. You're not on here. This is a podcast. Speculation <laughs> is what we're, we're here for. And the I, fact I, that Chris Jones, he was at the parade. He was at the White House. Mm-hmm. Your The ring ceremony is, is almost lower investment, in my opinion. It's lower investment than any of those events because you're, you're around the organization. We know he's here. I mean, we know he's around. Veach is not gonna. Veach is not gonna pull out the negotiation tables right there at the ring well, ceremony. Veach, <laughs> Veach said himself, like he would love this event. Like you know, I think he's gonna be here because he loved. It. He would love this event. I think a couple people said like he would love this event. Totally believe he would love this event. So. If you've got people within the organization saying he would love this event and he doesn't show up, maybe he is sick. Like, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe Brett Veach was not mistaken when he said that in past in, in, uh, in past tense, if you will. Like, wow. Yeah, Aaron so, is wow. You're wow. Mark, Aaron, you can put was Chris Jones sick. actually sick? And are you surprised that CEH showed up? Those are my two well, questions. First of all, how can I determine if the guy is sick or not? I don't. I don't live yeah, with him. I don't know his family. I, I, I can't. I can't speak. Have on some that. fun, he, please. Lord have mercy. He said he was sick. I got to believe the man was sick. I have to take him. At, I have to take it at face value. I have to. I mean, the fact that he wasn't the parade, he wasn't the White House. He's had a track record of showing up to these type of things. So why would he show up to this one? The White House was only what two or three weeks ago. It wasn't like it was three months ago and, and like maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe feelings have changed over time. It's only been two weeks. So I don't think much has changed in two weeks to where he's like, I'm not coming to the ring ceremony. I, I'm not being treated fairly. Like I, I think the man was really sick. And as far as CEH, I am surprised because based on track record going with him, no parade, no white house, but maybe he's heard the criticism. Maybe he's had an agent talk to him or his team that's close to him. It's like, hey, you're getting a lot of bad PR here. You missed the parade. You missed the White House. Please show up to this ring ceremony, please. We're begging you. So maybe that was what it was with CH on this one. He's like, okay, I can't miss all three. 